All right, there you go. And we're here on a special Locked On crossover edition of the Locked On Longhorns and Locked On Sooners podcast. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Jonathan Davis. You can follow his show at Locked On Horns, and you can follow him at one of my favorite Twitter handles of all time, at Johnzo Ball over there. Jonathan, man, what's up, man? It's been a while since we've gotten to do this ourselves, but excited for a Red River showdown with you. Yeah, definitely been a while. I remember when I first started in February, we previewed it, and now we're here, the week of the Red River shootout. And, yes, I'm excited. Both teams coming in at 3-2 and two with a lot to prove, and we're going to see who comes out on top on Saturday. Yeah, it's. I think we're both in very different uh, places from where we thought we'd be when we talked last February. I, I think for as an Oklahoma fan, I was definitely a lot more optimistic about this team then. And even as the season you know, got underway, I was still feeling pretty good, especially – after the Nebraska win, the last couple of weeks for Oklahoma have been quite interesting. We'll just put it that way to get us started. But for Texas, you know, heading into this game, the Red River Showdown, you got a couple quarterbacks that have played well this year. You know, Quinn Ewers was looking really, really strong against Alabama before getting injured. Hudson Card, I mean, he was solid in the Texas Tech loss. You know, that that one, I don't think you can really put that on him. And then he was really good um, last week in bouncing back against West Virginia. So heading into the, the Cotton Bowl, What's kind of the pulse in Austin about who's going to start and kind of who do you expect to start? And do you expect there to be any drop off or, or a difference really in what Texas has done offensively? Yeah. So when Brent Venable said that, uh, you know, I think a lot of Texas fans were like, oh, he's crazy. And I, I think they took it out of context. Like he wasn't saying that Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carter, are the same quarterback. He's saying that Sark is pretty much going to run the same system with either one of those quarterbacks in with, you know, maybe a few small details here and there, give or take. I think when Quinn Ewers went out against Alabama and you saw that initial four to six, you know, kind of weak timeline, even though Sark tried to get his Nick Saban on and say day to day, we knew it wasn't day to day. Right. I think the thought was always that Hudson Carr will hold down the ship for three games and then Quinn Ewers would come back uh, against Oklahoma. And that seems to be the pulse this week that Quinn Ewers uh, is healthy enough to get the start on Saturday. Um, over Hudson Card. I think the decision for Sark is, you know, like I said, I think it'll be Quinn Ewers. Um, is he 100% healthy, right? That's a painful injury he dealt with. We kept hearing that he's dealing with a lot of pain, right? And I would imagine he's still going to be in some pain, even though, you know, he's healthier than he's been at, at any other point. And, you know, is he going to come back right away in, you know, the biggest game of the year or the second biggest of the game of the year, if you want to put Alabama up there and pick up right where he left off? You know, people thought that he might be rusty, after not playing any real meaningful football since 2020. And he came in and kind of picked up where he left off in high school at the college level against, you know, the number one team in the country at the time in Alabama. But this is a different animal, you know, coming off of this type of injury. And so we'll have to see uh, if he comes out and he's hitting on all cylinders or if he's rusty. And then on the flip side of that, you have Hudson Card, who is not Quinn Ewers. I think we all can agree on that, but has been very serviceable over the last three games. If you take away the pick six, um, that they had against UTSA. He scored uh, 34 points against Texas Tech, 34 points against UTSA, and 38 points against West Virginia. So the offense has been explosive. I think he's gotten better every game. So, you know, uh, Sark has to make the decision. Does he go with the hot hand uh, in Hudson Card, or does he go with, you know, the young, talented quarterback that won the starting job in camp, Quinn Ewers, that I think, you know, gives them a better chance to open up more of the playbook, especially deep downfield against that Oklahoma secondary. But as we talk about the Texas quarterbacks, there's some confusion and some question marks about the Oklahoma quarterback situation as well. So talk to me about what's going on with, you know, Dylan Gabriel, Davis Bevel, and and maybe, you know, 
others? Because because you know Brent Venable said multiple quarterbacks are going to be taking rips. Yeah, so Dylan Gabriel's in concussion protocol. We're probably not going to get any clarity on that all week long. I think they'll probably try to keep Texas guessing a little bit. And it just might be that he doesn't clear. You know, he was motionless on the field for some time. And and I've been having this discussion with folks on the YouTube side and in the comment section about whether or not he should or shouldn't play. And I mean, that's ultimately up to the, the medical professionals, Brent Venables and Dylan Gabriel. It's not up to me. It's not up to the fans. As the week's gone along, I start to lean toward he's not going to play. And that is probably going to mean Davis Bevel. Uh, you know, they're going to be giving a lot of guys reps this week. You know, Nick Evers, the four-star true freshman quarterback that came in uh, in the spring. And then General Booty, who was a JUCO transfer late in the spring after the spring game, has a lot had great experience uh, at Tyler Junior College. Uh, so they've got some really intriguing options, but nobody that's really prepared to, to take the reins, especially heading into the Red River Showdown against Texas. The Texas defense, it's looked really, really good. You know, Davis Bevel, had a, a, a solid peach bowl. He came in in relief um, after the, the guy that was starting, I'm blanking on his name, who started in place of Kenny Pickett last uh, winter as Kenny Pickett opted out of the bowl to prepare for the NFL draft. Bevel came in. He was all right. He was not bad. Um, completed a high percentage of his passes, but not a great yards per attempt. Uh, the issue that we're seeing with him right now is he doesn't appear to be very mobile and, and he's struggling a little bit in the pocket when, when it starts to collapse. Um, some of that is just inexperience. Some of that is just not really getting a lot of, of game action type reps. Um, but he's a big dude. He's got a strong arm. How that translates to a football game, we'll see. But he'd kind of be the odds on favorite, I think, to to be the starter in the Cotton Bowl this Saturday. Uh, Nick Evers is another intriguing option because of just has his athleticism. I mean, we saw him in the spring game and, you know, he looked like a true freshman. That's kind of the best way I can put it. But Brent Venables and Jeff Levy both have been really positive about the way he's grown since fall camp and into this point of the season. If he plays, it, I think it'd be in certain circumstances, maybe some packages where they want to get his athleticism on the field, run a little bit of read option, because you don't want to do that with, with Davis Bevel. I mean, they try, they've tried several times in some relief appearances to run read option, quarterback power with Davis Bevel, and it just doesn't work. He's just not that type of a quarterback. And so if they're wanting to get some athleticism, you might see him. You might see Micah Bowens, who was a, a transfer from Penn State uh, last offseason. Uh, or sorry, 2021 offseason. So there, there's some intriguing options, but really it's it's a downgrade at quarterback from Dylan Gabriel, who, you know, to a lot of people's point, wasn't really playing great against um, TCU before he even got hurt. And so where he was at in that game isn't really reflective of Dylan Gabriel. We've seen a lot better player uh, this season, but whoever they start at quarterback, it's, it's definitely going to be a downgrade for the Oklahoma Sooners. I definitely, uh, you know, agree with that. Anytime you have to go to your backup quarterback, especially, like you said, going to, to Davis Bevel. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, kind of sticking with, with Dylan Gabriel, we're going to stick on the offensive side of the, the football. What has been your impression thus far uh, of Jeff Levy? You know, it's interesting. I, I like some aspects of his offense. I think they're really, you know, intriguing parts. You know, he, he definitely likes to push the ball down the field. And that's been a plus for them, especially with a guy like Marvin Mims out wide, who's very effective down the field. You know, the, the tempo thing is great when the offense is clicking. When it's not clicking, it really puts a lot of stress on your defense, which has been the case the last couple of weeks against Kansas State and TCU. We've seen this offense really fly up and down the field, but they've struggled, you know, the last couple of weeks. And 
one of one of my biggest complaints right now is we throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage a lot. You know, against Kansas State, I think you know he had was it nine attempts at zero yards or behind the line of scrimmage, and twenty three te- attempts within ten yards of the line of scrimmage or behind. So I get that the short area passing game is an important aspect of this offense, but we don't need to be throwing it behind the line of scrimmage nine times. I, I we just don't have that guy that is kind of the physical wide receiver that's able to break tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Like these guys, they're good. They're agile. They can make people miss, but generally they're not breaking a lot of tackles. So I prefer that they would put the ball down the field. That, that's kind of been one of my biggest complaints, but the run game, it started off a little bit slow early in the season uh, against UTEP and Kent state, but I feel like it's really started to come on strong the last few weeks, even in the two losses, it was kind of the highlight of the offense last week, Javante Barnes, the true freshman running back um, out of Nevada. He, he was really good, had his first 100 yard game, had two touchdowns um, and, and kind of carried the load for the Oklahoma Sooners. When Eric Gray went out with an injury, Marcus major missed the game because of an injury. And so you had to rely on your true freshman. So I think the book, the, the, the jury is still out. A little bit on Jeff Levy, not to say that he's not a good offensive coordinator, but it just hasn't clicked on on all cylinders yet this season. And, and it'll be really, really interesting. Like this will have to be like his biggest um, coaching job this week if he's going to have to go into the Red River Showdown without Dylan Gabriel. We're going to continue to talk about the Tex Longhorns, the Oklahoma Sooners in this special crossover edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, let's talk about Get Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why we started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you can earn cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Hey, and thank you so much for making the Locked on Longhorns and the Locked on Sooners podcast your first listens every single day. We appreciate you subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go check out one of the other great Locked on podcasts, whether it's Locked on Dallas Cowboys, Locked on Rockets. The NHL season is also about to get going, so make sure you're tuned in for whatever your favorite professional teams are as well here on the Locked on Network. So, Jonathan, we know Steve Sarkeesian's offense is going to be really good this weekend. It was good last year. I mean, even at times when you know Texas was not winning games, that offense was really good. The big story for me this season has been the defense. I mean, the way that they were able to slow down Alabama, and yeah, you gave up some points to Texas Tech, but I mean, Donovan Smith just had a really good game that week. But the defense is looking really, really good, averaging, what, 20 points per game allowed so far this season. It's looked really, really strong. So what's been the difference this year compared to last year for this Texas defense? Well, I think first you've moved a couple of players around. You moved Anthony Cook uh, from corner to safety. Uh, he's been one of the best players on the defense. Uh, I think the way that they've used DeMarvian Overshone, and he's just came back, you know, better um, than he was last year. Um, and he's going to be somebody that's definitely going to be a high round pick in the NFL. Um, he's just been a beast on the defensive side, coming downhill in the run game and also rushing the passer. Um, and they've gotten a pass rush at times that, you know, haven't been able to get it, especially uh, against Texas Tech, where they kind of let Donovan Smith do whatever he wanted. But in every other game, uh, they've been blitz heavy. 
really, I think over 20% blitz rate, really over 25% blitz rate, I think, and in, in all the rest of the games are close to it. And um, they've gotten to the quarterback. They've put pressure on the quarterback and uh, they made him, you know, make a couple mistakes or, you know, miss some throws. They've made, you know, offensive drive stall out. And I think players are just, you know, in the second year of PK system. And there's a history of, of PK's defenses taking a jump um, in his second year, wherever he's been. And I think the players are just more comfortable. They look like they're playing faster. They're more sound. They understand where they're supposed to be. And, you know, I think, you know, when the defense is bad, people want to blame P. Kukowski. And when the defense is good, people want to praise Gary Patterson. You know, I'm not sure exactly what Gary Patterson's impact has been, but I definitely think that he has helped uh, the progression of this defense as well. But really, I think it's just more comfortable being in the second year of PK system. Like I said, there's a history of PK, you know, his defense is taking a big jump in year two. And I think the players came back hungrier and with the mindset that we have talent on this defense, we have experience on this defense. I know this is a young Texas team, but this defense has a lot of experience on it. And they came back hungry and it showed, like you said, averaging around 20 points a game in the four games outside of Texas Tech. They've given up 20 points or less, including to Alabama, the number one team in the nation. So, you know, this is a team that's been able to lean on their defense while being explosive on offense. And I think regardless of who's at quarterback in the Red River shootout on Saturday, this is the type of game where anything can happen. You know, it's you throw out the records, you throw out the rankings, you throw out the statistics and you just go out there and play ball for 60 minutes or more. You know, and I think this defense is going to have to be the defense we've seen in every game but Texas Tech to make sure uh, that Texas comes out with their first win against Oklahoma since 2018. Yeah, and I that's that's concerning to me, knowing that. <laughs> Anything can happen is kind of like our only hope right now in this game. Um, th that's not a great place to be when you're going into the Red River Showdown. Yeah. Let's talk it, about that defense, though. You know, I mean, you know, Brent Venables, you know, he's the, the defensive mastermind. I think uh, Trevor Knight came out and said that Brent Venables is the best defensive mind in college football. However, this Oklahoma defense right now is the middle of the road, literally 65th in pass defense and 119th all the way down at the bottom in rush defense. So, what has happened with Brent Venable's side of the ball so far, especially well, in the last two games? Yeah, I mean, the big things are busted plays, just really getting beat um, when they are put in conflict, like really making wrong choices. Uh, you can see it against TCU when, you know, they, they Venable's talked about it. They ran a smash route, you know, guy that's going to run like a 12-yard hook, something like that, and the safety comes down to, to guard him. Then they throw a post route kind of over the top, and he's left all alone. Nobody – within his zip code. And, and that's really been the issue the last couple of weeks that anytime that somebody's running some misdirection, the read option in particular, they've just made bad choices. They've, they've played with poor discipline. That's what Brent Venables would say as well is this just a team that's not playing very good disciplined football and they're missing a lot of tackles. You know, some of it is the guys that they've played. Adrian Martinez is a tough guy to bring down Deuce Vaughn as well. Uh, but last week against TCU, the same thing was true. Kendra Miller, like just made, he looked like an all big 12 running back last week and, and he had a great game, but Oklahoma just hasn't been able to tackle very well the last couple of weeks. And, and when you're giving up big plays because of missed assignments or missed coverages, and then you're also giving up big plays because you're not tackling well, it's a big problem. And it's something that could amplify itself again this week when you face a guy like Xavier Worthy and a guy like Bijan Robinson, a guy like Roshan Johnson. Like these are very difficult guys to, to play against. I don't think the quarterback run game will be as impactful. Now I've said that each of the last several weeks, 
you know, I, I didn't think that Max Duggan would be as impactful as Adrian Martinez was. And he ran for over a hundred yards on like five carries. And then, you know, I didn't think a few weeks back that Adrian Martinez was going to be able to throw on Oklahoma. And then he came out and threw for like 240 yards, just came out slinging it. So I, I'm going to be wrong. Once again, you know, Quinn Ewers is probably going to rush for like 75 yards on like three carries or something like that. I wouldn't um, count on it. <laughs> exactly. That's my hope is like, let me be right once, please. Um, and so I think that does play into Oklahoma's favor a little bit defensively is that the, in the read option game, the quarterback isn't as much of a threat as what they've seen the last couple of weeks. So they can hone in a little bit more on Bajan Robinson. The pass defense has to get better. Otherwise, they're going to get torched all game long. Xavier Worthy is good enough to beat you even when you're playing everything right. Like when you're playing all your coverages sound, you're playing perfectly, he could still go for 200 yards on you because he's that dynamic of a player. So Oklahoma, not only do they have to be very, very good defensively, they have to be sound, disciplined defensively, but they're going to have to win some one-on-one matchups in a way that they really haven't done this year. And the other big issue that we've seen the last couple of weeks is they just aren't putting any pressure on the quarterback against Adrian Martinez against, you know, Max Dugan, they would get pressures quote unquote, according to the, you know, the stat keepers, but it's not <laughs> been a, it's not been effective pressure. You know, they're not getting guys down to the ground. They're not causing incompletions with their pressures. They're not causing turnover worthy plays. And that's been the big issue. Like they, they can have guys that'll win one-on-one battles and, and put pressure on the quarterback but it's not been effective pressure consistent consistently. And so that's kind of one of my biggest concerns going into this game is if they're not able to pressure Quinn Ewers or Hudson card, whoever ends up starting, presumably Quinn Ewers, then it's going to be a long day for Oklahoma secondary, because it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. It doesn't matter if you play everything right. If you allow your quarterback to have two and a half to three to four seconds to, to just sit back there and watch wide receivers develop in the routes, it doesn't matter. You could have Deion Sanders back there and you give a quarterback three seconds to throw and he's going to find his wide receiver nine times out of 10. So Oklahoma's pass rush has to be much, much better. Speaking of Xavier worthy, like we know worthy, we know Bajan Robinson, but Texas isn't just winning because of those two guys who else has really stepped up for Oklahoma or for Texas's offense this year to, to kind of help take a little bit of, of the pressure off those two. Yeah. So you talked about uh, Roshan Johnson earlier, and I think you're going to see a heavy dose of not just Bijan, but uh, Roshan Johnson as well on Saturday against Oklahoma, the emotional leader of the team. And I like to say Bijan Robinson, if he's the best running back in the country, then Roshan Johnson might be the best backup running back in the country because he's that good of a player, you know, especially somebody that came to Texas to play quarterback. Right. <laughs> he's just a very talented uh, football player. And But really, I'm looking at JT Sanders um, outside of. Uh, the tight end hall that they have at Georgia, where it seems like they have, you know, three or four NFL level tight ends. I think JT Sanders has an argument for being one of the best tight ends in the country outside of that room. Um, And in the two games that he's been utilized, he's done something that we haven't seen at Texas in over 10 years in the first game against ULM. He had 85 yards, the most by a Texas tight end since 2007. And in the last game against West Virginia, he had two touchdowns, the most by a Texas tight end since 2011. So he possesses that type of talent. And I think he's going to be a handful uh, for the Sooners uh, to deal with on Saturday. And then Jordan Whittington, he got hurt in the Oklahoma game last year. He's gotten hurt in every year. He's got hurt every year of his career, I should say. Uh, but he seems to be, he talked about all offseason, how he was better, um, you know, and more in shape and uh, better equipped to deal with, you know, the rigors of a football season. And I've seen it thus far. And I think that he's going to have a big impact on this game as well. I think that, you know, obviously Brent Venables is going to 
you know, allocate resources to Xavier Worthy and try to make sure that he doesn't break this game open. And I think there's going to be a lot of room for JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington underneath uh, to wreak havoc on that Oklahoma defense. So I think those are going to be uh, the main playmakers that you have to watch out for. But we know Sark is an offensive mastermind and he's uh, excels at, you know, creating mismatches and making you have to account for a lot of different things. So those are the main playmakers I think you'll see. But there's also a few players uh, that I'm probably not even thinking about. They're going to have an impact on this game on Saturday. But I want to ask you the same question because we know Marvin Mims and you can make an argument that in the game last year, Xavier Worthy and Marvin Mims were the two best players on the field. Right? They I'd, I'd made... 100% agree. <laughs> All right. So we know about Marvin Mims, but who else on the offensive side is going to have to step up for Oklahoma to pull off what Vegas is calling an upset right now, with you all being seven-point underdogs? Yeah, the offensive line is going to have to be as good or better than they've been all year. And, and that's both in pass protection and in the run game. The run game, like I said earlier, it's been getting better. Eric Gray has been really, really dynamic. He's averaging seven yards per carry for Oklahoma this year. And he, he's been really good at like breaking off big runs. He's got a ton of 10-yard carries or more this season and has been the dynamic player that we thought we were getting the 2021 offseason when he transferred to the Sooners. Theo Weiss, hopefully he's healthy because he's been their, their best or the second best wide receiver on the year. But a, a sophomore, Jalil Farouk, uh, has really started to come into his own the last few weeks of the season or in this season and and been the dynamic playmaker that we thought we'd, we'd see. He struggled early on in the first couple games, but he's really started to turn things up, especially last week. I mean, he was one of Oklahoma's few bright spots, especially as a returner. I mean, he had a big 40 plus yard return. Um, on a kickoff and and seemed to be like really close to breaking one every single time he touched the ball. He hadn't been Oklahoma's primary kick returner much this year. Safety Billy Bowman had been that, and then he got injured. Jaleel Farouk steps in and, and has been dynamic on that front. Uh, watch out for Braden Willis. You were talking about tight ends. Braden Willis has been dynamic. He had a huge uh, catch and run last week for 70 plus yards, has double-digit touch or uh, multiple touchdowns in, in multiple games so far this season uh, and has been kind of that, I don't even say forgotten guy, but the guy that often can get kind of left alone because you're worried about Marvin Mims, Eric Gray, Theo Weiss, and Jaleel Farouk. The dude just catches touchdowns. I mean, he's kind of our Chris Carter, you know what I mean? Like, I won't say he's a future Hall of Famer, but he just catches touchdowns. Uh, and so look for him to kind of have an impact in the middle of the field, especially, and in the red zone in particular. But I think this is going to be a week where we see – you know, a guy like Gavin Sawchuk, he's a true freshman running back, came in in the summer, so he's kind of late to the program. But he's got speed for days, like track star up in Colorado, huge, you know, huge speed, a guy that's going to win with that. I would not be surprised to see them scheme some things for him in particular just to catch Texas sleeping a little bit, whether it's on a jet sweep, uh, just a, a swing pass out of the backfield. It wouldn't surprise me to see them get him involved a little bit more. And, and then really offensively, it kind of comes down to the quarterback. If the quarterback can play efficient football, play turnover-free football and allow just kind of the, the playmakers to make plays, then, then, they, then Oklahoma might have a chance. But again, a lot of it's going to come down to this defense because even if the Oklahoma offense plays efficient, if they're able to get some points on the board, if they don't slow down Texas like at all, if they aren't able to get some stops, if they don't start tackling better, it's going to be a really, really long day for the Oklahoma Sooners. So it's prediction time. It's what's going to be the key for Texas to win this football game in your mind. And then who do you think is going to win there, Jonathan? 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an offensive and a defensive key. I think the offensive key is just that you have to score early uh, and score often and keep your foot on the gas. I think, you know, Sark has seen, <laughs> right, what can happen when you get up, you know, uh, on Oklahoma, although, you know, a different coaches to have different set of players um, at, at, you know, certain key positions. But he's seen what happens, you know, when you can get out to a lead and, and, and how that can, you know, end up at the end of the game thus far. Um, this early on in, in the Sark tenure, there's been, you know, five blown halftime leads, you know, so and especially in that Oklahoma game. So I think the offense has to get out, you know, score points, be creative, continue to have the creative play calling, not just in the opening script, but throughout the game and continue to, you know, keep Brent Venables and that defense off balance. I think that's what they have to do on the offensive side. And then on the defensive side, continue to stuff the run like they've been able to um, thus far. They've been a very good run defensive team, especially with their linebackers, DeMarvian Overshone and Jalen Ford uh, coming down here. I think Jalen Ford didn't have a tackle in the first game at all. He's had 51 cents. Right. So he definitely turned it on uh, wow. after that first game. But they've been dominant um, in the run game and definitely the defenders up front, especially in that interior defensive line. Um, they've all flashed, you know, stopping the run. I think that the Oklahoma offense, um, they're going to have to pass to win this game. But I think they're going to rely on the run game a little bit more than they have in the previous five. And so I think the Texas rush defense um, is going to have to show up to play. And then like you talked about earlier, it's about being sound, disciplined, and having consistent tackling, right, and being where you're supposed to be. And so I think they're, they're going to have to do that uh, on Saturday because we didn't see that a lot from the Texas defense in the second half last year and uh, the Cotton Bowl and the Red River Showdown. I got Texas. So I had two scores, one if Dylan Gabriel played and, and one if Davis Bevel played. I got 41-24 if Davis Bevel plays. I have 41-28, maybe 41-31 if Dylan Gabriel plays. This has been a, for the most part, outside of a few of them, it's been a string of one-score games for almost a decade. I think we kind of break the trend uh, this weekend, and, and Texas wins by, uh, I would say, two scores. And I think we also bucked the trend because thus far, Texas hasn't won back-to-back -back games yet this season. It's been win-loss, win-loss, win, win again against Oklahoma on Saturday. What's your prediction, John? Yeah, so if Oklahoma can come out and not give up big plays defensively and make Texas drive the ball a little bit, I think they'll have a little bit better of a chance in this one. If they can come out and find a little bit of a spark offensively and, and move the ball a little bit, which I'm not super confident in either of those things, then, they, then they'll have a shot. There's not much from the last couple of weeks that's, given me hope that Oklahoma can win this football game. That being said, it's the Red River Showdown, the Red River Shootout, the Red River Rivalry. We'll go through all the names over the last 30 years. Anything can happen. We've seen it time and time and time again that anything can happen in this game. That being said, I think it's Texas. I really do. It hurts my heart to say it. I know I'll get crushed by, by our most optimistic listeners and, and followers on the show. But it just – I just – I. I've tried being optimistic about Oklahoma bouncing back over the last couple of weeks. I thought that they were going to be better against Kansas state. I thought they were going to be better against TCU. They weren't um, until they are, it's kind of prove it mode for me. I, I need to see them do it before I can begin to believe again. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with Texas. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you think it's going to be. At least I hope it's not going to be as high scoring as you think it's going to be, but I'm going to go with Texas 34, 24. They, they pick up the win in the red river showdown. Quinn Ewers has a great game reminding us all why he was so highly sought after and uh, highly coveted by the, the Texas Longhorns and by the rest of the nation. So that's, that's where it's at. Uh, you know, I, I think Oklahoma's best chance in this one is to get crazy. 
you know, be really, really unpredictable, bring out all the trick plays that you got in your playbook and kind of play a, uh, I don't know, a less miles type of a game and just hope that you can keep it close towards the end. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I've been talking with so many people and they were like, I haven't seen this version of Oklahoma in so long. And if Texas were to pull off the win on Saturday, they're seven point favorites. So maybe I shouldn't even say pull off the win, but it would be the first time Oklahoma has lost three straight games, I believe, since I was five years old in 1998. So that's some pretty crazy stuff. John, do you have any parting words for Longhorn Nation or the Sooner Faithful before we get out of here? I'll just say Longhorn fans, just take it easy on us. I know you won't. It's going to be no mercy. You're going to strike hard, strike fast, no mercy, like Cobra Kai. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, it's just such a great weekend. You know, no matter how the game plays out, it's such a great, great weekend. I, I think back to last year and when, you know, Texas got up so big so early, you're like, oh, crap, here we go. Um, and then just slowly by slowly, just watching that, that comeback happen, um, it was still just, I still am amazed by it. I remember sitting in my living room with my wife and we're just watching this game. And every time Oklahoma would make a play, it just, I just boggles my mind. It's just mind blowing. Um, so hopefully we get a little bit of sooner magic this weekend. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think it's going to be the Longhorns who are smiling after this one. Yeah. Longhorn nation. Uh, he said, go easy on them, but they've been hiding. I haven't seen too much of, uh, of the OU fans on Twitter, but as John told me earlier off the record, you know, it's not much to talk about, you know, with what's happened against Kansas State and TCU, Texas. Look, it's been too long. 2018. What's yeah. going on, man? You know, I know that Oklahoma has dominated this rivalry as of late 16 and seven since the year 2000. But all that matters is the result on Saturday. Yeah. Our nation. It's time to get a win. And if you need a target for all of your, um, rants or everything you want to say about the Oklahoma Sooner fandom, please feel free to direct it towards me on Twitter at John nine Williams. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan as well. So I'm very much used to hearing about how bad my team is. So feel free to, to send it my way. Uh, and Jonathan, man, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you You guys on, on the Longhorn side of things. You guys got a great guy uh, helping you follow your team. So make sure you go follow him over on Twitter at Johnzo ball. And if you're a Sooners fan, go do it too. He's a great follow man, just for all sports and, and all the time. He just, we have a great time interacting with our, our locked on accounts as well. So friendly little rivalry uh, on that front, but Jonathan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. And um, good luck this weekend. Have fun and, and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Every compliment that John just paid to me, I could pay it back twice to him. Definitely a great follow. And we're both Cowboys fans. So we have a lot in common, but really just one of the, you know, my favorite people to work with on the network. And I'm glad that I get to work with him on the big 12 side. And then in the future on the SEC side, Longhorn Nation, Sooner Faithful. Have fun on Saturday. Let's get this win, Longhorn Nation. And Sooner Faithful, best of luck. Peace. Boomer.